at the end of the day, the Browns just need to go. You know what? We're the Browns. We don't make <laughs> we don't make great <laughs> picks like this. This we're not we're not smarter than anyone else. Let's just go with the safe pick. Yeah. Plus, like you at know? the end of the day, if you had the choice between taking any of the quarterbacks who have gone in the first round since a guy like Von Miller versus having a Von Miller, there's maybe two quarterbacks you would take over a Von Miller. Like a GMS maybe, but yeah. So it. like, why not? Just take Garrett and... He, yeah, anyways, it'll be interesting and I'll be sitting there. I, my night will be over soon. I'm a Bears fan. So my night will be over within 20 minutes and then I can just go cry and Stew about beer. it. Stew about yeah. it the rest of the night. Oh, God. I can't believe we took a tight end from Alabama. What is... Thank you. God. So... You have found yourself listening to The People's Podcast by the fans, for the fans. Fingers on the pulse, ears to the ground. Authentic since 2017 and the only show you will ever need. You are listening to The Hurt Take Tape. We got Tay in the house this week auditioning once again for the full-time job. <laughs> Cray Tay from Abe. Cray Tay from Abe. But we're not going woot-woot this week. That got <laughs> shut down last time, so... <laughs> We'll behave. Uh, Mitch was unavailable to record with us, so we got Tay back in. We're we're thinking about doing a uh, a three man podcast, a three way. Whoa, fatal three way. <laughs> a fatal three way. One of these weeks here, so we will get everybody together. But this week we got Taylor in the house to talk about UFC Fight Night, wherever it was this week. Who knows? Country Town, USA. Nashville, Honky Nashville, Tonk. Tennessee. Yeah. Decent card, top to bottom. I mean, there were some good performances. There was it was a pretty good card to look at on paper, considering that it was headlined by one of the stranger uh, headlining fights, Artem Lobov versus Cub Swanson. Yep. But there were some good fights on this card. I unfortunately missed uh, a few of them, but one of which you wanted to, to start with. Of all things, Brian Barberina versus Joe Proctor, your favorite finish of the night. I just... There's one thing I hate in combat sports is when a guy gets too cocky. Right. If Unless you're good. If you're, you know, if you're a, a Nate Diaz, although I don't necessarily know if that's due to arrogance or just who he is. I think that's maybe in his DNA to, yeah. to do what he does. Or what when, Cody Garbrandt did against Dominic Cruz. Cody Garbrandt. Like, even Cody, Cody Garbrandt, I didn't really... felt like he was maybe a little raw to, to do what he did in the Cruz fight. But hey, you know what? He he got the win. He dominated. He didn't get caught. Yeah. But when you're fighting on the Fight Night Nashville card, second fight of the night, and you catch a guy with a shot, and you start saying, oh, come on, bring it. You put your, he- your hands down at your side, and you stick your head in and go, come on, give me some more. In the first round, <laughs> I don't don't do that. Yeah, it's arrogant. And guess what happened? Joe Proctor, you are a dumbass. <laughs> Barbarina caught him, knocked him out within about a minute after Proctor putting his hands down, saying, "Come on, let's go, let's exchange." Yeah, Barbarina put a big end to that. And uh, Barbarina, you know, he's uh, got a couple wins now. He's starting to move up, uh, move up the chain a little bit, and uh, he's still got a long way to go, but. I think that's what these fight night cards are all about is, you know, guys uh, that necessarily are kind of, you know, low on the rank, build a little bit of a name for themselves and, and continue their progression. So, yeah, I just I thought that was funny, though, the whole 
you know, come on, let's trade. Okay, one punch, see you later, lights out. So. Yeah. Brian Barbarena, famous for derailing the Sage Northcutt hype train, which, yeah. remarkably, you fight Sage Northcutt, you're like, you're like, you know, a top fight on a prelim, and then after that, you're on the untelevised mm-hmm. fight past mm-hmm. prelim. Like, poor yeah. guy. But, yeah, I think that when it, comes to, when it comes to MMA, there are two ways to find your way into a highlight reel. One spectacularly knock someone out to get yourself knocked out by your own volition, yeah. right? Like, there's guys who will, you know, you can get knocked out because someone just jump and knees you and it's the most exhilarating thing and it's like, wow, that just never happens. Yeah. And it's another thing to, you know, start breakdancing and then, like, get clocked. That oh, my, my Bleacher Report app always blows up my phone and will be like, watch this guy get caught dancing and head kicked. Without yeah. fail. Those are the ones that pop up the most. Alabama so. hard knocks. Alabama yeah. hard Trailer knocks. Trailer park fight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, Joe Proctor saw the wrong end of it. But, hey, another guy who, who got finished in uh, the co-headlining fight, first fight we'll talk about, Diego Sanchez. Never really – I don't think he's ever been stopped before, actually. So that was a, a big deal. Ally Aquinta comes back after a couple years, uh, not even on the shelf, just not fighting because he didn't want to. Comes back out and knocks out Diego Sanchez within the first round, within the first two minutes of the fight. Looked really, really good. What, what did you think about his return to the MMA world? Were you happy with it? Were you, did it just make an impression? What do you think? You know, I think for... I thought it was a good fight all around in terms of the matchmaking of it. You know, a guy like Iaquinta, uh, he, he's got a lot to offer. Um... Diego Sanchez obviously is a name, so you're getting that name recognition, you know, putting him as the co-main on a, a card like that, but... Certainly does not have the ceiling to offer that Iaquinta does. Who's that? Sanchez. Diego. Well, and that's the... Iaquinta could at least make a, a... Theoretically could make a run at well, a title where Sanchez is not even going to be anywhere close to that. Man, when you listen to Sanchez talk now, <laughs> he's, he's punch drunk, I think. Like, he... Says some strange things. Says some strange things, but just, you're done. You are done, Diego. Let's, you know, well done, but uh, Diego the Lionheart Sanchez, I think that might have been a one- <laughs> Third nickname. Yeah, might have been a one-shot deal. Yeah. I, that, this is, Diego Sanchez is a guy, I mean, I Quint, he's got power, don't get me wrong. I mean, the shot that he caught him with, it was a, it was a clean enough shot, but I just, Diego, like, what, there's nothing left there. There's yeah. There's nothing left yeah. there besides a name. I, even if he hadn't been knocked out, even if the fight had just kind of been like, even if that that punch had not put him out, yeah. put him on on wobbly legs, it, it just I feel like most of the fight would have looked like that. Like he's he's a step slow, he's a step old, he's an amazing grappler, but he's just no good on the feet. He just gets that like even in this fight, he got caught and he did that like that look like yeah. he was just like oh he bit down on his mouth guard and made angry face here and we go that's what Diego looks like all the time now and somehow he's convinced the judges to give him wins in the past for doing that but he's definitely passed it um, but Ally Aquinta makes this return and immediately goes on the mic and you were not a big fan of what he had to say oh I just didn't really maybe I mean the way he said it I just didn't get it. Like, you know what? You, you've put together a nice little, you know, winning streak overall. You know, you're on a five-fight winning streak. Yeah, you, you know, you come back after your two years off. 
you know, you're going to beat Dana and, and you have your issues with management and things like that. That's, that's fine. Go ahead. But I don't know. It's just the whole, you know, you want to buy real estate, come, <laughs> come check me out. Like, I just didn't get it. Like, I mean, yeah. put something together, you know, this is your return fight. The spotlight's on you. You know, you just made a, a, a not a name for yourself, but you just, you know, kind of resurrected yourself from the, the shadows a little bit. Like, let's go, you know, let's put out, say, call somebody out. Let's, yeah. you know, where are you going from here? I don't want to hear about, you know, crying about all oh, this and that and the other buy my real estate or sell me a property. Like, no, let's, I don't know. It just, I just didn't, didn't uh, sit well with me. Yeah. What, what struck me about it was how, like you said, you can have a problem with management. You can have a problem with the pay structure. You can have a problem with, you know, and a lot of this came out on the MMA hour on, on Monday. Yeah. He was telling Ariel Hawani, he was, he, he essentially uh, called out the UFC on a plethora of things. He said that performance bonuses were a means of control, a way for the UFC to grease a guy's wheels to keep them under their thumb. He he ranted about how he wasn't eligible for performance bonuses for a number of things, for skipping out on a fighter symposium in favor of making money uh, in, in real estate. Well, allegedly, we don't. I guess, yeah. Um, you know, he said he said a lot of things. He called. He basically said to Dana White, like, to go fuck yourself. So he said a lot of stuff. So what struck me about the post-fight interview was how disinterested, like, there wasn't any passion to it. Compared to the way he sounded on the MMA hour, that was different. After this fight, it seemed like he just, like, he had no respect for anybody. The fans, he didn't have any respect for anybody. He was so disinterested in trying to make his case about anything, like, no one was really going to listen to what he had to say. But I feel like that's coming from a guy who's really uh, upset, like really not happy. I mean, who knows why? Like really, why did he come back if he felt that way to me? Why did you come back if you felt that way? You know, you were going to come out and just kind of be that, I don't know, disinterested and, and up, you know. But then everything he said on the MMA, MMA hour, um, gosh, I don't know. That sounds like a really disgruntled dude. Do you think that he is a sign of, of, of the way fighters really feel but aren't saying and he's just that kind of vocal guy and really like putting it into, into terms that people can... You know what? I, that everything he said on the MMA or when I was listening to it, I, was, I respected it. I feel like truly he is. He's saying what everyone's thinking. Yeah. Fight-wise. Um, there's... I mean... Like you said, you know, how salty he did sound. Like, we, we talked about it, you know, post-fight and, and uh, on the MMA hour. If you're a fighter and, you you know, those those win bonuses, those performance of the night, those, you know, knockout of the night, like, all that stuff that they've, they've done and have done in the past, $50,000 to be told, you know what, you're not eligible to to win that? Yeah. Are you kidding me? What is what does he make to show? I wonder. I don't. I don't twenty six and twenty six. I think is that what it is. Twenty six and twenty six. I so, think so. Yeah. So you're talking about a guy who, who, could have easily had a performance of the night no. bonus. I mean, our Tim Loboff, Say you know, he he uh, was one of the four guys that got one. So I mean, you're telling you're telling me that I Quinta didn't deserve one for knocking Diego Cold. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Diego's glass jaw at this point is you know, is evident, but I, uh, I don't know. I just think, and another thing that's interesting too, I find is, you know, reading some of the response online is how many of the fans are, are going after I Quinta saying, Oh, you know, like you right. should be lucky just to be in the, 
the organization and <laughs> this, that, and the other. And it's, I find it very interesting that, you know, there's, there's this presence of fans and it's almost like the, the pro sports culture in general, where, you know, when it comes down to players and owners, the fans seem to always side with the, yeah, the, the owners. owners, yet the players are the ones they, they love and admire. Right. Well, it's almost like this now where I see a lot of people, you know, rushing to, to Dana's defense in a lot of ways. Right. It's like, you know, I don't think he's wrong. Was it the right thing to say? I mean, I think that's more up for debate was, is there a time and a place to do it? And maybe he should have been maybe talking about more his own performance and trying to build his brand that way. Yes. I, I right. think that we may have been a better way of doing it, but the whole, the whole, uh, uh, issue, I, I don't think he was necessarily wrong about. No, I, I think he was absolutely on point, And I yeah. think that if there is ever a time and place to be able to say it, it's those like, when else are you yeah. going to be able to say and that's, it? Right? And that's true. Yeah. You want like to bring attention to the issue. Right. Yeah. They're not Conor McGregor's. They're not being interviewed on CNN or any of these really huge networks. They're getting interviewed on Ariel Helwani's radio show on a Monday that's only listened to by MMA fans. And the only other time that they really have a huge platform is when something is broadcast live on Fox TV. So if they're going to say something, they can say it then. Um, I think that he sort of represents like the middle class, which, you know, the middle class is shrinking in society, let alone in, in MMA. So I do find it's interesting. Uh, I agree with you. There's a segment of fans who sort of ignore how they ignore how much in common they have more in common they have with a fighter like Ally Quinta than they do with management with of the, any sport. With the Dana White. Yeah. Man. We're talking about a guy who sells real estate. He has a normal job, a second job. He can't actually like do his sport, which he works his ass off to be as good as he is to knock out a dude like Diego Sanchez, who, if it was you or me would just like, yeah. you know, uh, Low low ankle pick us, and then it would be over within 12 seconds. It wouldn't even be a competition. Ally Aquinta is one of the world's best, and he has to be a real estate agent to make a living. He has to have a job like you and I have a normal job just to make a living. So uh, I'm totally on his side, and I think that all's fair in love and war, especially when Dana White is the kind of guy who will put the fuck word in the same sentence as a, as a fighter – you know, I, there's no. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Fight fire with fire. You gotta, you gotta say what you gotta say. Um, whether this leads to anything, who knows? It'll just probably just, you know, lead to Ally Quinta being public enemy number one yeah, for Dana White for a while. Or try and feed him to the sharks. And, right. Uh, you know. Also on UFC Fight Night in Nashville was your favorite fighter? Not favorite. I should. I'm teasing, really. Uh, but a fighter you're a big fan of. The wild man, Mike Perry, platinum. I remember after maybe his first oh. fight, you texted me and you were like, platinum is a beauty. Yeah, and man. I had already made up my mind that I was not a fan of Mike Perry. And I was like, no. You think you have a friend, boy? <laughs> no, oh, yeah. man. I have come around. I have come around. Mike Perry is a freaking wild man, and I love it. He tried to crane kick Jake Ellenberger to open the fight. Totally insane. And then his finish of the fight, that, that elbow from the clinch was just nasty, nasty, absolutely vicious. And then after the fact, he basically says, well, maybe Jake Ellenberger should hang up the gloves and retire. I mean, like, ouch, rubbing salt in the wound. What did you think of Mike Perry's performance? What, what do you make of Mike Perry, period? What can anyone make really make of Mike Perry? Um, he walks out there. He's got face tats, and you're immediately. Well, you know, like, oh. you know what my uh, my big issue. Well, I shouldn't say issue, but 
The one thing that struck me is, is I watched Mike Perry come out is, you know, I'm looking at his coaches and I'm going, who's this good looking blonde girl? And sure enough, it turns out to be his girlfriend. So like Mike <laughs> Perry, I mean, Mike Perry, I don't believe as far as I know that she really trains and, you know, I don't think she's a competitive mixed martial artist. So what, how does Mike Perry strike me? Well, Mike Perry strikes me as the guy who's just crazy enough to go, you know what? I'm going to bring my girlfriend to the ring. <laughs> I mean, how, how often do you do they cut to the, the stands in a major fight and the wife is like, you know, head in her hands or she's not watching. Yeah. You look at like Connor's mom or no, sorry, not Connor's mom, uh, D. Yeah. D, you know, has her head in her hands and she can't really watch and you, you see that. And then you see freaking Mike Perry's girlfriend is sitting there in his corner, you know, train like coaching him really yeah. you know cheering him on and whatever and it's like he's the, the kind of guy that would bring someone up to the ring in terms of his performance he's fantastic i mean like you said to open up with the crane kick the way he did just to snap <laughs> to snap that out there i mean he he was fighting jake ellenberger yeah so i mean that you know comes into play i mean ellenberger's well he's lost uh, four out of his last five um I think his only win was against Matt Brown, who himself is kind of on the, you know, lo- yeah. love the guy. He's a, he's a brawler. He's down for whatever, but he's kind of on the outs right now. He's yeah. on a losing streak himself. Um, that elbow, though, man, that is, that's an all-time highlight. Yeah. I think you're going to be seeing that in 15, 20 years. You're going to be watching yeah. that in a, you know, a, a pre-UFC you know UFC highlight package or something like that. It was amazing. Um, and in terms of, you know, time to retire it's it's hard to really you know who who is he to say but at the same time it, like we just said about Diego like you know there comes a point where you lose that many times and yeah I mean good competition but you got to hang it up yeah you know he's been knocked out five times I think now and I th- you know three three of them have been in his last five fights so that's not exactly a good trend no not at all. Um, so it's and it's tough. Like there was a time when Jake Ellenberger was a powerhouse. People thought he was a uh, on a beeline to a title shot. Um, and you know, I, it has to be said. Excuse me. He um, he apparently went through some personal troubles, and that's kind of when his downward skid really started. Um, and apparently, he's had a long history of um, uh, personal troubles, maybe mental. Mental oh. health issues. Yeah. I don't know how far that extends. I don't know how serious that is. But that there's a long time. And that listen, in sports, one of the hugest trends in the last ten years has been sports psychologists. There's a lot of athletes who aren't head cases per se, but could benefit from having a sports psychologist who is just someone that you can talk to and can frame and contextualize winning and losing and really put it in in a manner that. It, it doesn't get to guys as much, or get guys and girls. So Ellenberger's one of the guys who seems like he could be. Um, but Mike Perry, on the other hand, is on the ascent. He's going in the opposite direction on a friggin' rocket. This guy has everything written all over him to be a star in MMA, despite the fact I don't know if he'll ever be a title contender, but I do know that he will always be a fighter that fans want to see. He's a guy who's going to make a lot of money being a real estate agent. A real estate agent. They're going to go into business together. Yeah. Um, no, you just you look at the way that, you know the whole with WME, you know, purchasing the company and the yeah. way that everyone talks about you know we're going for we don't care about you know earning your way. It's, it's more about the names and the you know yeah. what can you can you draw you know. 
Um, someone like Mike Perry, I mean, you want to talk, he's going to be headlining fight night cards for years to come. Yeah. You know, for better or worse, you know, he might lose a few here, lose a few there, but he's at that point where he's going to bring it and fans are going to tune in. Yep. I know I'm going to. And listen, if, if anything builds your credibility in MMA, it is having a highlight reel knockout that they can play every single time you have a fight. Anytime you show up on a card... They're going to show him popping Jake Ellenberg with that elbow until he retires. Yep. So, I mean, that that honestly helped build Chris. Like, Conor McGregor's number of his highlight knock finishes is like his entire package is that, right? Like, that really builds a guy up. So, uh, look forward to seeing more of Mike Perry, that's for sure. All right. If you're listening, you probably love the content that we're putting out, right? Just a guess. Okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you get pissed off at a few things we say, but you're listening. So here's the deal. We need your help. Go to iTunes and subscribe to the show, not the public podcasts. Review us, rate us. Every little bit helps. Check our website out, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. Clicks are huge for us too. Make sure you visit, make sure you listen, and make sure you give us a little bit of love. Now, I'll take you back to the show. On to um, the, the competitor of the UFC, Bellator, big news. So we were all expecting that Phil Davis's uh, title defense as the light heavyweight champion of Bellator was going to be against King Mo Lawal in a, in a rematch. King Mo is out. Good. Ryan Bader is making his debut in the Bellator against Phil Davis in a rematch. They have actually fought before in the UFC a fight that Ryan Bader won. Is that a fight? Now, because arguably these are two top five light heavyweights in the world. Is that a fight that you would tune in to Bellator to watch? Would you watch that card, the whole card, just for that fight? Well, that's on their that's their pay-per-view card, correct? Yeah. So that's a good card to begin with. Would I watch a card based on a uh, Ryan Bader, Phil Davis? I'll tell you what, I would wa- much rather watch Ryan Bader versus Phil Davis over the alternative, what it was supposed to be. King yeah. Mo and, and Davis, that happened almost a that's gonna be almost a year to the day. And I'm sorry, yeah, you know, went to a unanimous decision was was a good fight. But Ryan Bader, I mean, he's one of the elites in at that division right yeah. now. I and mean someone who doesn't get enough credit, honestly, for having gotten better fight to fight to fight to fight. People still think he's the same guy he was on tough, but he's actually gotten a lot better, even despite some of his losses. Oh really? I mean you know, his only loss in his last, you know, eight, nine fights or so, um, against well, Rumble Johnson. Yeah, the next who, strength and conditioning coach of the Los Angeles Rams, right? Uh, no, uh, oh, okay. no, that's a real No, he's, he's the next defensive end, I thought. I thought he was <laughs> um, but no, I, I think, you know, Bader's, he's very good. And, you know, you look, you talk about Bader and and, uh, and Davis, their last fight we went to split decision. So, so it was close. So it was close. And, I mean, why not? I mean... I think that was a big one of Bellator's big gets. We talked uh, last time I was on about you know Bellator. Are they signing you know quality competitors, or are they or are they just kind of you know signing names to to get ratings? This is is I think more talent than name. I, th- yeah. I still think Ryan Bader kind of flies under the radar, and and uh, you know I think on paper this could potentially be a really good fight. Yeah, so I'm excited for it. Listen, if this was in the UFC, it would be a co-headliner to a title fight. If it, if it was a non-title fight, it would co-headline a title fight. 
You know, and if it was a title fight, it would be a lesser pay-per-view header or a co-main title header against like a Cormier, not it's a Cormier Jones, because in this, in that situation, they would be the champions of one of them, um, but against a, a much bigger name mm-hmm. fighter. So this is a, a high caliber, big, you know, big name fight. And it's just strange that we are actually at this point now where a fight like that is happening in Bellator and not the UFC. There hasn't, I think that t- to me, this is the first fight that, that could have headlined a UFC fight that's not in the UFC since Strike Force folded. Like, but you have to go all the way back to Strike Force to really find a fight that could headline a UFC fight that was not in the UFC. So that's what's really kind of fascinating to me. And I, for one, that says a lot about UFC's dominance, obviously as the main brand. And, but it also says a lot about what the UFC's missteps now with the light heavyweight division and, and how they're just kind of let these two guys go. I mean, yeah, they, they, Phil Davis Moore doesn't have an especially attractive fighting style. Mm-hmm. But listen, he can beat anybody in the world. He can beat anybody in the world. I mean, so I'm, I'm really interested by this fight. I'm definitely going to tune in, but I'm an MMA hardcore fan. I don't know if the average fan will tune in. They might because of the name value, but... Well, you know, it's funny, too. You, you look at a fight, uh, a, uh, a fight that is going to end up having a replacement fighter, you know, with, with Beta replacing King Mo, yet that could end up making it the card of the, the or show of the card of the show. Show of the card? Fight of the card. Fight of the card. Fight of the night. Do I know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like like we, we kind of talked about, like, you know, Sonnen and, and uh, Vanderlei and, and Mitrion Fedor, like, could be good fights, could be nothing. Yeah. But I think, you know, you're, this is a pretty safe bet to, to be a solid fight. So, yeah, I'm, yeah it's going to be good. That's a super deep card, so it yeah. will be very uh, exciting to watch. Now... On to the segment that we like to, to do every once in a while. It's the Q rating. You've never done a Q rating before. No, I'm this, is your, this is your first Q rating. So the Q rating, as anyone who listens to our show knows, we take a fighter who has made some inflammatory statements lately, and we measure and weigh whether these, this has done his public image good or it has done his public image harm. In this case, we have decided to pick one John Dodson. Because he said some, he said some smack, some real smack, and he said the kind of smack directed at the very people who help pay his damn salary, the fans of this sport. He said, and I quote, "Fans just don't understand that because one, I think they're a little too inebriated. They just got done with the Predators hockey game. This is where they play, and I can guarantee you that ninety percent of those dudes." Don't know who's on that team. They probably saw that defender and said, who the hell is that black dude? Does he play for the Tennessee Titans? (laughs) Now, I want to point out how it is kind of funny that in one hand, he calls out the fans by not knowing who the black (laughs) defender defender is on on the the Predators, but he doesn't even name the guy. Like, we know who that is. We're in Canada here. We know. We know. He doesn't know. P.K. Subban. Come on. P.K. Come on, John. Legend. Uh, but he kind of went on to say that, that fans who booed his performance just don't understand that they are looking for a bloodbath and he's not going to go out there and give a bloodbath. He's out there to win fights. His whole job is to make the opponent miss and to hit the opponent. 
what do you think? Do you think these comments are, are, are helping him or hurting him? Q factor up, <laughs> Q factor down. Q I, rating, come on! Q rating. Um, I think it, oh, I don't know. He's he's not wrong. Fans don't, you know, he, he fought to win that fight, right? He was smart and his movement was unbelievable. I mean, he, his feet, his footwork and his evasion and just his ability to move, I... He's got to be the fastest guy in MMA, I would imagine. He's got to be close. Um, him and DJ, that's for sure. Him and well, DJ, absolutely, yeah. But um, I don't know. I just bunch of drunk fans booing. Yeah, they're not wrong. You know what? Fans want blood, and and fans love like we just talked about earlier, Mike Perry style. You give you give a fan, you know, ten fights of of, uh, of platinum Perry. God, they're gonna go. They're gonna love it. Yeah, you know. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what Dodson says or how he fights. Now, my issue with Dodson is you're trying to climb the ranks. You're in an era of, for better or worse, WME. We want action. We don't want fans booing your fights, whether you win or lose. You've got a lot of bodies to to pass in the bantamweight division right now. So, I mean, we talked uh, before the show, a guy like Jimmy Rivera... Great fighter, great up and coming fighter. Um, well, I guess maybe not so much up and coming, but great fighter. You know, really starting still, to make. Any, I would say still unknown right? to most. Still fans. unknown, maybe is a yeah. better word. Yeah, but I mean, a guy like that. I mean, you, you really gotta go out of your way to make a name for yourself. And even during the fight, you know, the announcers going, you know, this is not. He has a spot here where he could really, you know, get out Wyland here and you know really yeah. you know put a flurry on him. And he didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, for a guy like that to come out and say, oh, the fans don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, the fans, they, you know, they're booing. They really don't know what they're watching in a lot of cases. But, I don't know. Don't say it. Don't don't not go for it. When you're a guy that has to go for it at yeah. this stage. And then turn around and say, oh, the fans don't know what they're doing. I, I don't like it. I didn't like it. So, Q rating down. Q, to me, Q rating down. Yeah. Though he's not wrong. I, I have to agree with you. I, I would say that that from a certain perspective, yeah, yeah, he's he's he is right. Most fans, we're not. You and I are not educated about what necessarily goes down in the cage, right? We don't know. Uh, but I think that that on the flip side of that is that sometimes John Dodson doesn't might not understand what it takes to make a name for himself, make himself relatable make himself uh a fan favorite i also think unfortunately he's got some serious limitations because at the end of the day every fighter is actually only gonna fight to their abilities so if you're john dodson and you are significantly smaller than everybody in bantamweight you you and, and your skills and your strengths are certain things you're gonna have to fight a certain way in order to win sure if John Dodson goes out there and does what he claims fans want, which is a bloodbath, and go out there and just swing, and then he he would lose more fights. He guaranteed he would lose more fights because he's not the bigger, stronger guy. He'd leave himself in range for guys to get a hold of him and clinch up, and that would take away his greatest strength, his speed and ability to, to move around the cage. So he would lose. So he is right. But I think you made a very good point, which is just don't say it. Just don't say it. The worst thing you can do for your Q rating, for your public image, is to say the fans don't know something. If you're a fighter, it's okay for us to say it. We're fans. We're allowed to call out the people because the people respect. No. Because we're men of the people. Because we're men of the people. If you're a fighter, calling out the fans is the worst thing you can do. 
It's 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 not a good idea. Um, and even if fans are inebriated, you know what? They pay their ticket. That's what they're there to see. They have a few beers. That's what people do at sporting events. They have a few beer. So yeah, they're gonna start booing you. Don't take it personal. Really, don't take it personal. You climb the ranks and do the best you can do, but you have to be realistic about what your ceiling is fighting the way you're fighting. John Dodson, you are not going to be a star fighting that way. So you have to know that you're not going to be a star fighting that way. You have to either decide, I'm going to fight like a madman and try and win over the fans and become a star and run the risk of losing more fights, or accept that you're not going to become a star, but you're going to win more fights. Q rating for me, even. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Not one way or All the other. for nothing. All that for nothing. For a tie. Wow. <laughs> so wow. the last thing that we want to talk about now, our boy CM Punk is back in the headlines. He doesn't have a fight in, in the UFC. Thank God. He does not have a fight book for the UFC. But he has been booked to be part of MTV's The Challenge, Champs vs. Pros. CM Punk and nine other well-known pro sports figures will go head-to-head with former winners of MTV's show Road Rules and Real World in athletic competitions. How ridiculous is this? Is this the, is this the beginning of the end of Phil Brooks's? <laughs> I mean, like, where are you going? No, CM Punk. Sorry. We don't call him by his real CM name Punk. here. I don't even, like, you know, I, I was one of the few that, you know, when he was getting bashed and, and knocked around by people saying, you know what, respect that he kind of put himself out there. And, and I think when you have an opportunity to, to chase, I don't know if it was necessarily his dream as much as he said, you know, this is what I want to do. But if you have an opportunity to do something, you have the premier organization or league or whatever you're in that comes calling and says, you know, we want to bring you in. You can't knock the guy. Four. And in, in my perspective, yeah, if, you yeah. know, you, you want to go out there, you want to, you know, you're going to make some money, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But are you in or are you out? You yeah. know, you had your fight, it went horribly. He said he was going to continue with it. And if, you know, you're not going to continue with it, then that's fine. Let's, not that he owes it to the fans to, to retire and say he's not going to continue, but to do stuff like this, you're just destroying your credibility. What is he, is he going to come back to, to UFC, you know, 225 now? And they're going to go, you know, CM Punk who fought, you know, four years ago and won the freaking, what's it called? The Challenge Champs vs. Pros on MTV. Like, what are you doing? Like, he just, in, the in man the, does what he wants to do and I respect that, yeah. but you're not, like, you're either in or you're out. Yeah. In his defense, very slightly in his defense, uh, the whole show is 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 for charity. So if he wins, he gets to donate his $50,000 prize money to Paws Chicago, a no-kill animal shelter in his hometown of Chicago. So he's doing it for good reasons. But at the same time, he's still doing a very public thing that just does not jive or mesh with the thing he claims he wants to dedicate himself to. Right? The... The, the problem with CM Punk is this is a confluence of all sorts of things that nobody wins and nobody loses in this situation. He makes a lot of money because he can fight in the UFC. The UFC makes a lot of money because people will pay to see it. 
But the fans don't win because it's largely just a waste of our time for him to be in the highest level of competition. His opponents don't win because they, they really just end up beating up a scrub that has zero credibility. Mickey Gall kind of got a rub for beating CM Punk, but barely. I mean, I wouldn't say he's any more of a star for having beat CM Punk than if he had beaten anybody else. So nobody wins here. Nobody loses. And this is just another situation. If he comes back and he fights in the UFC again after this, it'll be like, why? Like, if you were serious about becoming an MMA fighter and not making money, you would have fought in World Series of Fighting. You would have fought on some regional promotion. But no. Rightful, and his, he can do this. He can go fight and make a whole bunch of money. But then it's about making money. It's not about being an MMA fighter. So which one is it? I think you're absolutely right. Are you in or are you out? Are you a businessman trying to make money or you are, or are you an MMA fighter trying to be a fighter? It's one or the other. Yeah, I, I think you said it well. I think, you know, I don't know how long a show like that would take to, to film. You're looking at maybe, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. But that's a month off training and he's what in his mid- He's probably getting his own trailer though and catering. So he's wow. psyched. Yeah, he's, he's going to be in... <laughs> Meatball subs. And, you know, like, <laughs> he just but, got a punch. Yeah. Well, he's already, and he's not the thing. Is you're talking about friggin'? Just look at this picture. No, I know. The like, he's not. He's not that like athletic. No, he's not. You know, like he's. I mean, he's more athletic than we could ever dream to be. But you know, you're talking about the elite of the elite. I don't really get it. I, I honestly, and I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb here. I would. I I would feel confident in saying that CM Punk is closer, much, much closer to the caliber of athlete that I am than he is to the caliber of athlete that a UFC fighter that is. That John Jones or... or yeah, a hundred percent. No? Okay. You know, like, no, I, he, I just feel like he just is. Like, So, it's a strange thing. He's back in the headlines for charity, which is fine. But at the same time, nobody really asked for this. I thought his uh, fight with Mickey Gall was charity for Mickey Gall. <laughs> 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 Isn't that kind of oh, hashtag this awesome yeah. Tay? That was a burn. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I think that's it for this week. We've we've talked about everything that could possibly be talked about in the world of MMA. There's nothing else happening. That's a lie. There's so much happening, and this sport's always going on. That's why we love it. But until next week, you're gonna have to live with this. I am Reese. He is Cray Tay from Abe. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We are out.